Welcome to Ill-Equipped History, where two best friends who are not equipped to talk about history do it anyway, whether you like it or not. I'm Morgan, <laughs> joined by my beautiful co-host, Emily. Hey, y'all. She sounds like she's been screaming for like six hours. I, do. <laughs> I sound so bad, guys. I am very sorry about this. Um... Don't know what's wrong with the voice other than maybe seasonal allergies and the fact that it's like 30 degrees today when it was 80 degrees two days ago. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That may have something to do with it. Yeah. Possibly. I am a sensitive flower, so. (laughs) She delicate, y'all. I'm delicate. (laughs) My body can't handle literally anything, I think, anymore. (laughs) Yay, 30s. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so happy to be here. Yes. Oh, man. Are so, you... Are you... Oh, listen. I was just going to say that I'm very excited to be with you this weekend. I know. We get to see each other again this weekend. I'm so Yay! excited. We get to ride get around ready for Jeeps. a lot of, like, Jeep pictures. Yes. <laughs> Us camping. Yes, it's going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's our year, yearly tradition. Dance. Yes. <sighs> Anyone's welcome to join. You get a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. It's a great yeah. time. Friends and family. Are you ready for this skit? I'm, I'm so excited to go over this episode yes. with you because it is bonkers. And I, I have no idea what we're talking about, so I'm very excited for this. <laughs> The year is 690 in Imperial China. Wu Zetian, after years of climbing the political ladder, is at the precipice of taking complete control of the throne. Man, I'm so close to absolute power. Unfortunately, I live in a patriarchal society that prohibits women from seizing the throne. Your Highness, I think we found something that can help. Yes, what is it? We've been poring over the Buddhist texts, and we found one called the Great Cloud Sutra. In it, Buddha tells his follower that he will be reincarnated in a woman's form and be very powerful. Hmm, this could be very good for me. Yes, we've already started passing out pamphlets. We'll take it one step further. Tell the people I am the female reincarnation of Maitreya and Virakana, two important male Buddhist deities. They'll convince the Confucianists that I am being granted divine power and hold the throne. Absolutely, Your Highness. All of China will know your greatness. I mean, a lot of people already know how great you are. But who can deny your right to the throne now? I will be the emperor of China, no matter what I have to do to seize this power. And oh boy, what didn't she do to seize this power? (laughs) I hope she had a raspy voice, or I did not do her justice. (laughs) I have no idea. There were not recording equipment in 690 CE. (laughs) I mean... Isn't that what ghosts are? 
recording equipment? <laughs> yes. Natural recording equipment. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Anyway. Okay, I'll quit being weird. All right. So this is the story of China's first and only female emperor. Ooh. Yeah. So I have like a kind of a big intro to this episode because there's this is a very big story. Like it's it's another really dense one. I know I'm not going to be able to cover every single thing in this person's life. It's just not going to happen. There's so much. (laughs) And we do try to keep the episodes at around an hour, give or take. And there's just so much that happened. There's a lot of backstory. Yeah. I got most of my research from an author and a YouTuber named Zhiranjie Zhao. She's really great. I just, she's very funny. Uh, she has a very like dry delivery, but she has a lot of videos that talk about like Chinese culture and Western media. Um, and like, she has even started talking about like her own like culture's history, like Chinese emperors. Um, she actually wrote a book about this woman, even though the book is actually like a sci-fi. It's oh. it's like pretty pretty. It's not historical fiction at all. Like it's she took like the person and like made her like a, a teen like mecha scientist badass with like superpowers and magic. Like cool. It's all, called Iron Widow, by the way. By Zero okay. J. Zhao. Um, also, I am going to do my best to pronounce things correctly. I am not Chinese, so I know I'm going to be pronouncing things wrong, but I'm going to do my best because thankfully, Ziran J. Zhao is Chinese and she pronounces things correctly. So <laughs> I was like, how did she say that? Okay, I'm typing that out. Um, <laughs> anyway, so. I relied a lot on her interpretation of events because she can read Mandarin Chinese and I cannot. Um, And there are some things that I looked up that are a little bit different, like in different sources that I read, things change a little bit because this is about a woman from 1400 years ago, recording of history and like is kind of eh. Yeah. Anyway. And then like, she she's very like well known in Chinese history, but she has Ziran Jie Zhao said that there's been a lot of kind of twisting her story a little bit to make her seem a lot. I mean, she was definitely a very ruthless person, but they've like twisted her story story to make her seem more like even more twisted and evil. Um, um, yeah, and just ruthless, which again she already was, but. They just made her seem even more so. So some sources say one thing, some sources say another. Just wanted to get that out there. And then another thing I wanted to kind of say before I get into this video, um, Ziran J. Zhao said that there's a difference between being the emperor and then being like an empress and the dowager empress. Because there have been sole dowager empresses in Chinese history. Not a lot, but a mm-hmm. few. Where, like, 
the wife of the emperor died, and so she was kind of the reigning monarch. So she was a dowager empress, but mm. she was not the emperor. So she okay. did not have the power the emperor had. Wu Zetian was an emperor, the sole ruler. Okay. Later on. So I just wanted to kind of make that distinction because I was kind of thinking that, like, I'm sure that's happened before and it has, but it's different. Well, and additionally, this is during medieval China. So there are a lot of customs and laws that we don't really follow today, which I will Mm -hmm. also get into. So they, at the time, Confucianism was a very big, it influenced their religion and their laws. Um, And Confucianism was pretty patriarchal. You know, like women had their place, men had their place, men were typically in a position of power. Women had like their own power, but it was not the same level as men's were right you know which i'll also get into a little bit um but i also wanted to talk about we'll be discussing concubines um this was a very common thing during this era in china Wu Zetian actually started out as a concubine and so they were considered wives okay and that you know they like emperors had wives and they had concubines and there's like different tiers which i'll also get into but so there from what i could kind of figure out there's three levels of concubine level three was like the lowest level like entry level level two was pretty high a lot of people like when they got to level two they're like okay i'm good this is a decent position of power and level one was like the highest level you could be and you were like a consort to the emperor and during the dynasty that we'll be talking about the emperor had four level one consorts and they had like their own titles they had their own roles and then he had a former a former wife who was the empress so okay there's all that (laughs) and the and i think i mentioned this later but an emperor could have as many concubines as he could afford essentially so there wasn't like a level but concubines they didn't just do the sex you know they also like did housely duties um they also partook in like the arts they did like they would entertain uh play music write poetry mm-hmm. do art stuff like that um so there it, it was a very it was a title it like a lot of women were like this is my way into the palace Um, to at least live a better life than outside of the palace. Right. Okay. Okay. So the woman in the story, like I said, her name's Wu Zetian. She began her life as a concubine. She lived for a while as a nun. And then over the course of almost 40 years, fought her way to become emperor of China. Trigger warning. I will be discussing mass murder, suicide, deaths of children. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then just, just regular, like, torture and murder. Um, just the huge. <laughs> just just the just plain oh old God. torture and murder. Uh, just so if, Yeah, this, this is fucking ruthless. Like, everyone in medieval China... Like, I can't believe people survive long enough to, like, propagate the species at this point. Because, like, if you just mildly tick someone off or just happen to exist they could like people in power could just have you killed for no reason oh my god 
it was a very stressful time for sure. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. No, like, no, not even the royal family was safe from the conniving and the backstabbing and the murder and the being put no, to death No, they're probably target number one. Seriously. It's, it's crazy. So <laughs> if you don't feel like listening to that, you can skip the episode. I also, again, I highly recommend Zeron J. Zhao's videos. She has a two-part series about this and she's just a really great youtuber um she's very funny so anyway let's jump into the story are you are you ready emily let's do it. this is this is a i lot. did a little okay. wiggle i did, did a wiggle yeah she's ready so uh wu zetian was born 624 ce uh, apparently there's a total eclipse that year so it's kind of like an auspicious like Ooh. year um we actually don't know her birth name uh at this time oh. females Names were not recorded. That was pretty typical in China at this time. She, like, when she took the throne and, like, she became emperor, she referred to herself as Wu Zetian. Wu is her family name, but she gave herself the name Zetian, which I'll go into when we get into her rise to emperor. Her father's name was Wu Xie. He was a lumber merchant. And he was, you know, pretty comfortable. He had a pretty decent standing in society. Uh, During the Suye dynasty, there was an emperor named Emperor Yang. He was not a great emperor. He put all these construction projects in place and it was literally killing workers. The conditions were so extreme. So the... Fuck that guy. I think Wu Xie's cousin, Li... Yuan, that may have been the emperor's cousin, Li Yuan, led an uprising. Oh, yeah, it was the cousin's emperor. Sorry, I thought I've specified that. So Emperor Yang's cousin, Li Yuan, led an uprising against this tyrant. Mm-hmm. And Wu Xie was like, he joined forces with Li Yuan. And he became a high-ranking official in the new kingdom, in the new dynasty. So he was living a pretty cushy life, you know. Yeah. At this time, Wu Xie's wife died, and then his pal, the new emperor, Li Yuan, appointed him a new wife, Lady Yang. And I think he had two children with his first wife, two boys. And then with his second wife, he had a few more children. And Zetian was their middle child. So I think she had, like, an older sister with this mother... Um, than her and I think like a younger sister or brother. Okay. And then two other brothers from the first wife. I think so. I'm pretty sure. So one day uh, there's a fortune teller that came into town and apparently he could like read faces and like tell their future. So he visited the Wu family when Zetian was a toddler. And on this day she was wearing boys clothes. You know, it was Mm -hmm. probably laundry day maybe. So when the fortune teller saw her, he proclaimed that if the child had been a woman, she would grow up to be a great ruler someday. Uh-huh. So, and she was a woman or she was a girl. So that's very foreshadowing. That sounds like some shit that's like in a fantasy book. And this is from her account. So who knows? Who knows? Yeah. If it happened or not. But uh, she was encouraged by her father to read and write, which is not common for girls to learn at this time. Um, she was very well educated and she was also skilled in music, poetry and public speaking, which also wow. was very important to her rise to power because she could 
really convince people to do some things. <laughs> right. Not always bad, but like she definitely had a way with words for sure. The Wu family moved around China for her father's job for a while. And then when Zetian was 12, her father died. And the inheritance became very messy. So Zhao describes that because Wu Xie's daughters were unmarried, they were eligible to receive some of the inheritance, which pissed off the older brothers who believe they're entitled to all of the inheritance between the two of them because they were men and they had penises and that entitled them to everything. Blah. Um, so that started a lot of bad blood between Zetian and her older brothers. So now, like, kind of the overall context, um, when the new emperor took place, he started a new dynasty called the Tang Dynasty. And the emperor's name was Taizong. Zetian became a concubine for Taizong when she was 14. Ew. Which is very young. According to a story Wu Zetian told herself, when she was just entering Taizong's harem, they were shown a beautiful but wildly aggressive stallion. When Taizong asked who would tame the horse, Zetian volunteered, saying she only needed three items, a whip, a hammer, and a knife, each being a more severe punishment if the horse did not submit. Good lord. So you're already kind of getting a glimpse into her character a little bit. Violent? Violence. Yeah, she was very violent, very ruthless. One day, so one source I saw said one day she started speaking to the emperor about history. He was very impressed with her, so he pulled her out of laundry duty, and she became his personal secretary. And this is when she started getting more involved in politics and yeah. state affairs. When I was watching Zhao's video, she said that Zetian tried to impress Taizong, but he kind of ignored her. So, again, kind of like different sources saying different things. Yeah. Uh, Zetian... And the emperor's son, Li Zhe, began an affair. Oh. Uh, this was risky as she was one of his father's wives and he was already married. And oh, no. Zhao thinks that Li Zhe and his wife married when they were like 13. Again, it's like 1400 years ago, a different custom. But ew, still. Yeah, they're very, they're barely teenagers. But yeah, they started an affair. In 649, Li Zhe was crowned emperor when he was 22 after Taizong died. So he's a new emperor. And then he, his name became Gaozong. So when, like, someone becomes emperor, they get a new name. Kind of like how kings will get new names in, like, medieval Europe. Mm -hmm. um, so he is now Gaozong. And that's how we'll refer to him for the rest of the episode. So when Zetian was 26, she was sent to Ganyi Temple, which is essentially a nunnery because she was kind of a lower level concubine. Apparently she had never bore the emperor, any, the previous emperor, any children. Um, mm. And so everyone that fell within that role were sent to this nunnery and they're like had to shave their heads and they're expected to live the rest of their lives out this way. But Gao Zong and Zetian, like, again, had that secret relationship. And so he went to go visit her. Or he, she wrote him a poem while she was in the nunnery. And then he went to go visit her about a year later. And apparently when they saw each other, they broke, uh, they both broke into sobs. <laughs> oh, God. And cried. And then everyone was like, oh, my. Scandalous. Scandal. The emperor had feelings for a nun who used to be his father's concubine. <gasps> whisper, 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 whisper. Ooh, yeah. So yeah. his 
uh, Gao Zong's wife, Empress Wang, heard this news. Okay, so backstory on this kind of thing. So Gao Zong had four official, like four wives. So Wang was his former wife, and then he had three consorts. And Empress Wang had not born any children yet. One of Gao Zong's favorite consorts, her name is Zhao, not like the YouTuber Zhao, a different Zhao. Um, I think it's Xiao. 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 She had several children with the emperor. And Xiao's son was believed to be the future crown prince. Because um, mm-hmm. that, if the empress didn't have any children, then he, the emperor could assign who would be his heir. Okay. And it's usually like the oldest born son of his consorts. But um, like their rank had something to do with like their children's titles and all that stuff. It's complicated. So she decided to allow Wu Zetian into the palace to distract Gao Zong from Xiao. Ooh. Wang was like, I want you to leave her alone so you can bring in this, this former concubine and now nun into your harem. So a, after a year, uh, when Zetian was able to grow out her hair, she was invited back into the palace by Empress Wang herself. Womp, womp, womp. She had to grow her hair back out? Yeah, because it had been shaved. Um, and so I guess, like, when her hair grew yeah. out enough and it could be, like, styled and stuff, they were like, okay, now you can, oh. you're pretty again. You can come back in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that women that don't have hair are not beautiful. I'm saying this is no. a very patriarchal, misogynistic society. Blech. So, okay. yes. Like I said earlier, Zetian is very smart. And she gave away gifts Gaozong gave her to workers throughout the palace, like eunuchs and palace girls. She's very kind to the workers throughout the palace. And in return, they gave her information from around the palace, like Ooh. other women's, like tr- other women trying to rise to power or like gain influence or make some kind of political move within like the harem or whatever. She basically had her own spy network, which she would have for the rest of her life. But she started very early. Wow. <laughs> so uh, honestly, on that front, good for her. You yeah. got to have your wits about you. Yeah. And it was a very smart move. It really saved her a lot of yeah. times. So Zetian ended up getting pregnant and she was promoted to rank two concubine. So she was no longer in like that first level. She was now in a higher class. Still not the highest, okay. but she was went up in class. Okay, this is Ziran Jie Zhao explained the way male sons worked in Imperial China. Basically, an emperor could have, like I said, as many concubines as he could afford, and all children were his legitimate children. However, the emperor only had one formal wife, and her children were actually in line for the throne and were a higher class than children of the emperor's concubines. So they were all like, yes, this is his child. There's no, like, bastard children. Um, But there was, like... A line of succession there was like different social classes within the palace you know throwing this out here real quick i can appreciate the fact that there are no like bastard children yeah because it's not the kid's fault no that they're there yeah like, and i mean like their mothers are were with the emperor they are seen as a wife yeah. it's just like a ranking you know um, yeah but yeah, it's like I, other places around the world, even if they're like not married, it's like the the child would be considered illegitimate, right? And that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah, because again, like it's not the child's fault they're born, <clears throat> you know. No, 
and then like they have to be mistreated or seen as lesser than because of who their mother was yeah don't like that okay sorry i derailed us a little no, bit it's okay Go for it i mean this is all over the place already so yeah um so at this time because Etienne got pregnant she was uh empress wong was like okay my standing is starting to get threatened a little bit because i still don't have any children so she decided to adopt Gao Zong's oldest biological son, whose mother was a palace worker. Okay. So this was very risky because if a formal wife had any biological children, they would be lower in the hierarchy of succession than the adopted child. So this was to get her like, okay, now I have a son who will be the crown prince because he will right. be the oldest son. Right. And okay. Empress Wong was only around 23 at the time. Like, everyone is very young starting out. So she couldn't be sure if she was actually infertile, but Xiao and Zetian were threatening her standing as empress and her power because she didn't bear any heirs. Then the emperor could depose her and assign someone else as yeah. his former wife because it's all about who you give birth to. So the adopted son, whose name is Li Zhong, was made crown prince. And I couldn't see okay. how old he was, but I think he was probably like 10. Oh, if okay. that. Maybe not even that old. I have no idea. I don't know how old Galzong was when he started procreating, but apparently he was pretty young. I don't, I'm trying not to think about it too much. Um, so. Zetian, yeah, the math is not math and right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it's bad math. However you, however you calculate yeah. the ages, it's, it's not good. So around this time, Zetian gave birth to her first son named Li Hong, who's a boy. A year later, a plot was unearthed to unseat Gao Zong. So Gao Zong's uncle, one of his, um, who's one of his chancellors, took over the investigation about this plot and ultimately ended up gaining a lot of power within the court. Though it wasn't really on purpose, um, but he kind of became a de facto ruler at this time because he was so influential within the court. And honestly, like even the emperor like was going to him was like, Hey, can I do this? Like he kind of inadvertently got absolute power, even though he yeah. was an emperor, but he was a very trusted, very intelligent person. Uh, his name was Shang Sun Wuji. I hope I said that right. <laughs> so Wang and Xiao, Empress Wang and Xiao, the consort, they were starting to get threatened around this time by Zetian. So they decided to team up together. So Wang and Xiao would like shit on Zetian to the emperor. And then Zetian would shit on them to the emperor. And Gaozong, for his credit, was like pretty. He was like, y'all just keep me out of it. Like, stop. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't have time for this shit. Yeah. I've got a country to run, you know. So all that's going on. At some point. Zetian and Gaozong's infant daughter died. It's rumored and reported in history that Zetian killed her own daughter to frame Empress Wang. Jiran Jie Zhao, her opinion is that the baby died of natural causes because ancient times, and Zetian seized the opportunity to accuse the Empress of killing her infant daughter because she was the last person to see the baby. Again, uh. Zetian is ruthless. And even Ziran J. Zhao was like, I wouldn't put a pastor to kill her daughter to get power, but I don't think that's what happened. She was wow. ice cold. <laughs> there was no proof of this 
of murder. Um, I don't think anything really happened with it, but she was trying to like get Empress Wong out of the way because she right. wanted to take her position. And it started working because Gaozong wanted to make Zetian his empress. Gaozong and Zetian went to Shangsan Wuji, who's the his uncle and chancellor and the big guy in court, and tried to see if he'd be willing to agree to deposing the current empress and replacing her with Zetian. He said no. <laughs> um, yeah. He was like, no, I'm not going to disrupt everything just because you're horny. Well, a year after this, Zetian <laughs> accused Empress Wong and her mother of cursing her with magic and witchcraft. Um, nothing happened with Empress Wong, but her mother was banned from the palace. And oh this is God. another thing. Like, you could just accuse someone of, like, doing magic against you. And a lot of people were just executed. Like, oh, okay. They'll die. You know what's crazy is that's, like... 1200 years before the witch trials like mm. you'd think by then they would have figured it out that it's not but no 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 <sighs> yay humanity okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. go ahead so galzong wanted to promote zetian to if she couldn't be the formal wife he wanted to promote her to rank one consort but during during the tong dynasty the emperor like i said could only have four rank one consorts and all slots were full. Um, so he just made up a new rank for her and gave her the rank of Chongfei, which meant consort of the polar star, which is a very significant like title because polar star was like a symbol of the emperor. Yeah. So basically this meant that she was only beneath the empress in rank. Like he put her above the, the four consorts that were like the oh official. Oh my God. Official. Like <laughs> it's crazy. He's just making shit um, up at this point. So this is what he wanted to do. And he put this before his chancellors and they said no. <laughs> um, and this created like a whole political mess within the court. Because like he kept wanting to disrupt like. And that's kind of something that Zhiran J. Zhao kept saying about like the Confucianist beliefs. Like it's very much about order and everything is how it is. You don't deviate from it from tradition this is it and he was trying to kind of disrupt how things had been traditionally and the chancellors were like no way yeah so at this point lower ranked officials were like oh i could get on the emperor's good side if i side with him so they started like siding with him and like supporting the emperor and his mission to get zetian in power because they kind of like saw their writing on the wall. They're like, they're not going to stop. I'm going to get in their good graces. Because it's not going to end right. well for me if I don't. So you August can't beat them, join them. <laughs> exactly. So August 1st, 655, Galzong announced that he was deposing the empress and making Zetian his new empress. And the chancellor said no. <laughs> Galzong tried again the next day. And they said no again. But they were like, okay. You can choose a new wife among the aristocracy, but it cannot be Zetian. And he was like, no, I want Zetian. So one of the highest ranking officials, his name was Chu Suliang, threatened to quit if the emperor went through with his plan. And while he was being dragged out by guards, Zetian came out from behind the throne and, at, and said that he should just be killed instead. And everyone was like, oh, shit, because... Women were not, especially concubines, were not allowed in the council chamber. And she had been behind the throne the entire time. 
Damn. Just, like, li- just listening. She was like, what are they saying about me? What um, a power move. Like, just what a, what a fuck you. I know. So, Chang Sun Wuji said that Chu Su Liang should not be killed as he was appointed by Gao Zong's father, the previous emperor. Chu Su Liang lived another day. So, day three, similar results. Day four, Gao Zong went to a man named Li Ji, who had been a powerful official during Tai Zong's reign. Li Ji essentially went, do what you want. I don't care. It's your family. Yeah. And then Gao Zong was like, ha ha, I have permission to do what I want. And he did. So Gao Zong deposed Wang and Xiao and exiled them. And he accused them of trying to poison him to justify it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Emily just rolled her eyes so hard. <laughs> uh, I know. So they were banished to a place called the Cold Palace. And essentially it was like a forgotten palace that almost became a prison for them. So Zetian became Gao Zong's formal wife and was now Empress Wu. So she had been a concubine for 18 years at this point and served through two emperors. She was 32 and Gao Zong was 28. Okay. So this didn't take like, like they're not like in their 50s. They're still like young. They're around our age. (laughs) They are like literally we are splitting their ages right now. Yeah. So less than a month after Zetian was coronated, Gao Zong went to the Cold Palace to visit Wang and Xiao. And they were treated like straight up prisoners. Like they were literally fed through a hole in a door. And they're like locked in a room. Uh, And they had no access to natural light, apparently. Oh, my God. So Zetian learned about this visit through her spy network and confronted Gao Zong and said that his power will be undermined if he seems he's wishy-washy. Like he literally accuses these women of poisoning him. And exiled them, and now he's visiting them. That doesn't look good. Yeah. So he decided to execute Wang and Xiao. Why not just let them go live their lives? Jeez. And the way that they were killed was awful. So, if you guys didn't listen to my first trigger warning, here's a second trigger warning. Oh, God. Very cruel way to die. Coming up in, like, a couple seconds. So, um, and this was Zetian, who was like, kill them this way. They were first flogged a hundred times by wooden planks. Then their arms and legs were cut off. And then they were drowned in vats of wine. This is so unnecessary. Ten days later, she gave birth to her second son. How can you just, how can you just go? Holy crap. Yeah. I, I can't even form words right now. Like, how can you be so cruel and then... While so pregnant. I... Yeah, it's... I cried again. at, like, puppy commercials when I was pregnant. Like, it... Yeah. And to even think of that... Ruthless. To even think of that to begin with is... Yeah. Mind-boggling. What the hell? She's not the nicest person. Far from it! <laughs> yeah. So... Anyway, anyway, so okay. Gao Zong deposed his eldest son um, and made him prince of another place so he could go away. So at least he, he got it easy. He was just sent away. <laughs> and as far as I know, he lived a long, healthy life. I have no idea. But Zetian did not go after him. OK, so. thank God. 
so Gaozong and Zetian d- gradually decreased the power of the existing court and brought in officials that were on their side. So they were like chipping away at like their opposers, right? And were bringing in people that supported them. So eventually, they were also working to eliminate Changsun Wuji because he was like their last big obstacle who dared to stand up to Gaozong and Zetian. Because um, all of their arrivals essentially were demoted or convinced to leave. Changsun Wuji was accused of planning a coup, even though no such thing was actually going on. And all of the high officials who disagreed with making Zetian Empress were lumped into this plot. Mm. You know, again, it's completely made up. Gaozong said he couldn't possibly kill his uncle for treason, who's an esteemed veteran and longtime anchor of the empire. Like, he literally helped found right. the dynasty. So Changsun and all the other accused officials were made to commit suicide in their own homes. The sons of the officials were all executed, and then the grandsons were also executed. What? Yeah. Those are children. Yeah. Oh my god. It's, they're literally creating, like, this entire vacuum and, like, no possible way for revenge to be sought against the empire because all the male heirs were killed. And also, they're spreading these, um, not rumors, but they're gaining a reputation for what will happen if you say anything against them, which makes people not want to... Oh, my God. Exactly. That's literally what their whole plan was to do. Tyranny! To be filled. It is! Ah! So, the vacant spots were now all filled with common-born officials who had support in Zetian's ascendancy. So, they were getting rid of the more aristocratic and more, like, nepotistic officials and they were like okay these are people that actually live in china we're appointing them to the court and letting them have a say in their government so it's also like you know what i mean yeah they're doing like something so horrible and vile and like mass murdery and then they're also like appointing the common people like don't do something good after you did that i don't want to even (laughs) remotely like you it's it's crazy uh, yeah. So, now there's fewer aristocrats within the court, and the emperor and empress had almost essentially absolute power. Like we were saying, like, they yeah. are tyrants. So, after this bloodbath, Gaozong and Zetian went to Zetian's hometown, and they partied up. Uh, they were having friend, like t- good times with her family and all that. All women over age of 80 in her hometown were given the position of rank 5 official, which as far as I could figure out, it was like a pretty high up official within the court or position within the court. Why? I don't know. Like, that's just something they did. They're like, all right, like you are an elderly woman. You have wisdom. Now you have power within our court. Oh, okay. I assume. Zetian had Gaozong give her father the posthumous rank of Duke of Zhao or Zhou, sorry, Duke of Zhou and her mother, the Duchess of Rong. So this was unusual as the wife always shared the title of her husband, but Zetian was making this distinction that her mother was not just the wife of a nobleman, but the mother of a powerful woman. Oh. So gave her mother a distinct title. This is Lady Yang. 
Okay. Who is also just as ruthless as her daughter. Oh, well, I guess apples don't fall far, do they? Yeah, so her mother told Zetian to demote her brothers, who were low-level officials because they pissed her off. And Zetian had them sent away to faraway provinces. They all mysteriously died shortly after. What a coincidence. I know. Again, lots of death. When Gao Zong was 33, he suffered a debilitating stroke. I think he was blinded at some point. Oh, my God. Apparently, he had um, hypertension. Like, really, really bad hypertension. When Zetian was 37, she started kind of taking over the ruling duties while Gao Zong was incapacitated. Mm. So she kind of became the the figurehead. Or, like, the, the person actually calling the shots, essentially. Yeah. So because of this, they started to resent each other. And at one point, Zetian was accused of witchcraft by a eunuch. Gao Zong asked his chancellors what he should do, and it was recommended Zetian be deposed, that she was way too powerful. Zetian found out about this through her spy network and stormed into the council room and was crying and asking what she did wrong. Like, what did she do? She was just trying to do what was best for the empire. And Gao Zong changed his mind, and the chancellor who recommended her deposement and the eunuch who made the accusation were executed. Everyone gets executed. What the fuck? Yeah, it's... Even if, like, you're on her side, you could still get executed at some point. I mean, these people were trying to, like, depose, like, again, trying to depose her, but. So, it's at this point Zetian realized she would never be truly safe unless she herself was emperor. Right. Because she would always be underneath her husband, who always had power over her. So, Zetian asked Gao Zong if she could start sitting in on council meetings and... And she was like, you are very easily influenced by other people. Let me sit on the council meetings and I'll help you make good decisions and tell you if someone's like being sneak or a lie to you. She then convinced him to hold a Thangshan ceremony. And this was the most sacred ceremony in ancient China. Only a few emperors ever had conducted the ceremony, which was completed on Mount Tai, which is a mountain in the area. At this, t- at this point, empresses, or just women in general, were not allowed to participate, only the emperor and his male officials. Zetian convinced Gao Zong that women had as much of a right to participate, and he was like, okay, that's fine. So this huge entourage made this journey to Mount Tai. It had, like, the entire palace, um, all of the court ladies, Zetian and Gao Zong, had other kingdoms coming, like, from Korea, from India, from Persia. Tens of thousands of people oh went God. on this journey for this ceremony. It was crazy. Zetian was two of six total emperors to conduct the ceremony. So I guess she did it again in her role. <laughs> wow. When she was emperor. During this journey, Zetian's niece was trying to seduce Gao Zong to take Zetian's place. Zetian's niece? Yeah. Was she- it was also rumored that her sister was also, like, sleeping with Gao Zong. But she ended It didn't say how she died. And I don't know if Zetian had anything to do with it. But she was no longer alive at this point. But her niece was trying to seduce the emperor. Uh, so I couldn't figure out if it was the niece's cousins or Zetian. I think it was Zetian's cousins offered her a plate of food. And then she went and offered the food to the niece. Who died because they were trying to poison her. And then they were killed for trying to poison the Empress. I mean, narrow miss. Narrow miss. 
I mean, she, I mean, she's so intelligent. She was like, I'm not just going to accept food from my family members when I know that they're trying to depose me. So here you go. Yikes. So at some point after this journey, they come back. There's things happening within the dynasty that are just going wrong. The blame was cast to Zetian. And she was like, she's playing like 5D chess over here. Okay. So she went to Gaozong and petitioned to be removed as empress. However, if Gaozong went along with this and he would be admitting that Zetian was actually responsible for all the decisions that was going on within the empire. And that she was actually oh, ruling and not him. Which would make him look... So he declined. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So he called it... So he declined his petition. She called his bluff. She did. She did. Like I said, she is straight up playing five Okay, look. Here. Like, she is, like, steps ahead of everyone. She's a shit person, obviously. Because she's just killing everybody around her. But the intelligence level on this woman, you gotta respect it. I, I do. I very Holy highly respect shit. and fear her. Yeah, fear her for sure. I fear her a lot. Let's hope she's not a ghost because... Oh, gosh. Poltergeist. Just... Yeah. yeah. So he declined this petition. Zetian remained empress. About four years later, Zetian wrote another petition to change their titles. So originally... The emperor and empress were referred to as Huangdi and Huang Ho. Yeah. So she changed them to Tian Huang and Tian Ho, which means heavenly emperor and heavenly empress. <laughs> and Gaozong was like, sure, this sounds great. And actually, this was very influential on Japan, and Tian Huang became the name for the Japanese emperor and apparently still is. Oh. Okay. So, yeah, she is very much about like he- like heavenly appointed. Yeah. Like the gods and the s- the heavens. Like I am celestially be- celestially bestowed to rule, essentially. Yeah. It's a very common theme. So Zetian, you know, there was that kind of snafu a few years earlier, but she was a good ruler. Um, she made sure to support the lower classes. And there are a lot of changes that were very feminist in nature. Damn it. Don't do shit to make Emily's me so like you right now. Like I, <laughs> I feel like I'm on a roller coaster right now. Is yeah. she bad or not? I can see it in your face. People are complicated. I know that. She's a very complicated. And so person. are my emotions right now. So <laughs> yes, and that's okay. So Gao Zong's, Gaozong's health was not very good, and his, the crown prince, who was um, Zetian and Gaozong's oldest son, Li Hong, their health was not super great. So apparently Li, Li Hong contracted tuberculosis as a oh. child, and uh, he died soon after an event that pissed off Zetian. She was accused of poisoning him, but there wasn't really any kind of, there wasn't anything she would gain from his death. Right. So, and he was a very sickly person anyway. Again, like, Jean J. Zhao says that a lot of things were attributed to her to, like, show, like, oh, she's so ruthless and evil when, like, it may not have happened. She did enough stuff that's been confirmed. Right. So. It is, like, (laughs) the 600s. People just died sometimes. 
they sometimes they just did yeah so his younger brother li xian was announced as the new crown prince uh three months later after this gaozong wanted to make um gaozong wanted to make zetian his regent because he was so ill he couldn't even get out of bed so his reasoning was that if he went ahead and gave his power to his heir he was essentially abdicating his throne but if Zetian was given administrative power, Gaozong could return as ruler if and when his health improved. Right. If that makes sense. So she was going to be like a temporary placeholder for him. And his officials were like, no, bad idea. She is a woman. What are you thinking? And then he was like, okay, yeah, you guys have a point. And Zetian was like, these bastards will le- never let me have true power. Because that's all she wanted. She wanted the power. The power. So Zetian... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Zetian formed her. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> Zetian formed her own council called the North Gate Scholars to compile books and to dilute information to the Chancellor. So she was kind of influencing the stream of information that went right. to the Chancellors through this um, council. So we're kind of like this is this took place over several years. So now we're in the year 683. Zetian is 60 years old. Li Zhe Zhe. I didn't write down how this was pronounced. Liji? I don't know. I'll say Liji. I'm sorry. Gaozong's and Zetian's third son was named the new emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Why did... Why was it the third son? Are you sure it wasn't the third child? No, it's third son because Lijian was named the new crown prince. Mm. But then... Li Zhe was named the new emperor. Oh. Who is. I don't remember why. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know what happened. Maybe he passed, passed away. Anyway, so this third son was named the new emperor. He was named the new emperor and was told to go to the empress for advice on how to rule, essentially. So this was unprecedented and something this was faked by Zetian. But by all accounts, Galzong wanted his wife to retain some power. Right. So he was like, my third son, go to your mother to learn how to rule. Galzong eventually died. And Zetian told her son that while he took his 27 days to mourn, which was custom, she would handle all the ruling stuff. So during this time, during this tw- these 27 days after Galzong died, she was consolidating all of her power. She was like passing things and like manipulating things. She promoted chancellors, influenced the court to be in her favor, and relocated the army. So Lije took the throne on the 28th day and tried to change up the imperial court immediately like his parents did before him, and that did not work. Um, his parents took years and years and years to influence the courts yeah. to be in their favor. And Lije did not have his father's patience. So in a fit of rage, Lije said he was, since he was emperor, he could do whatever he wanted, and that he can make his father-in-law emperor if he wanted to. And apparently everyone knew that he wasn't serious. But Zetian and another official were like, okay. So the next day, Zetian decided he was unfit for rule and was demoted to crown prince again. And he was forcibly removed from his throne. Because he was like, I could do, I could make this person the emperor if I wanted to. And they're like, you have no respect for the throne. Goodbye. Even though they knew he wasn't serious, but. Oh my god. Oh well. At least they didn't kill him. Yeah. So Lee Don, who was the youngest son, was placed on the throne, but was under house arrest, basically. Uh, Zetian held the power of the empire. 
So a resistance group was formed on the far side of China, and a manifesto was written laying out all these ac- accusations against Zetian. Zetian literally read this manifesto out loud in court and praised the writing of it. <laughs> Everything in it was detailing moral failings of the empress, but there is no notes about her actual capability as a ruler. They're like, she sucks, and she's evil, and she murders people, and I think she does witchcraft. But there is nothing about, like, her actual capability of ruling. Because she was, by all accounts, a good ruler. Even in modern times. Like, no one can really deny how effective she was at ruling. I mean, you gotta give credit where credit's due. Right. So Zetian organized the army to quash the resistance, which was done in 44 days. And it had gotten, like, a pretty sizable resistance. And she was like, goodbye. After the Zetian threatened anyone that was against her, and the court agreed to obey her completely. Because they were terrified of her. So um, in Jiro and Jai Zhao, in her video, she says that the last big hurdle was breaking the imperial ceiling. Um, so Chinese custom said that dynasties were dependent on names. And Zetian, as a Wu, could not be emperor of the Tang dynasty because she did not like descend from that line of succession. The Lees were in power of the Tang dynasty. If she wanted to start a new dynasty, the Lees would be pissed. And a lot of them were killed in the uprising. Right. And so she was like, okay, I do need to kind of like figure out how to navigate this balance by not pissing off a bunch of people or pissing off as few people as possible while obtaining her ultimate goal. So in 688, when Zetian was 65, her nephew placed a stone describing how the Holy Mother had descended to earth. Oh, what happened to my notes? No, come <laughs> they back. They just got really tight. They got really tiny. Tiny notes. <laughs> uh, so the Holy Mother had descended to earth by the stone. She was presented the stone by people who found it and declared herself the divine mother, holy emperor. Her son, who was the actual emperor, was still alive, by the way. Again, he's just under house arrest. But she was like, I am the emperor. Uh, because this holy rock that my nephew did not plant was found. <laughs> Don't be suspicious. Um, Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. So the Li clan was asked to congregate so Zetian could make a sacrifice to honor the goddess of the Lil River where the stone was found. And the Lees believed this was going to be a plot where Zetian would execute all of them. So they formed a rebellion to overthrow her. But one of the family members told Zetian what was going on because he was terrified that they would fail. And then they were all killed. Over 70 members of the Lee clan were executed. Emily's face is in her hands. Again, like so much death in this story. So much. There's so, like needless death, honestly. No, it was like, like, do you know what she's reminded? She's giving, she's giving um, the the Queen of Hearts in Alice in Wonderland, like off with his head. Off with her head. Off with their head. Like that's. It's that's what I'm imagining. Yeah. I mean, basically. Yeah. So when Zetian did eventually make her offerings to the low river goddess, she wore the beaded crown that only the emperor could wear. So it's like got like the cylinder and it's like flat on top. It's got all these beads coming down. And again, that was only reserved for the male emperor. Yeah. But who the hell was going to tell her that she could not wear that crown? No one. They would Not die. They would literally die. Literally. Literally die. So around this time, she, you know, was rising in power. 
She was not officially emperor yet, but she was essentially. Um, but she started collecting <laughs> her own little set of male lovers. Sorry. Um, I just thought of the crown and she wasn't the the emperor yet. And I just thought, like, dress for the job you want, not the one you have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what she was doing. That's really funny. <laughs> okay, so she had male... Uh, she, yeah, she had male lovers. Yes. One of her lovers oversaw the construction of the Luminous Temple, mm. um, which apparently was a really big temple. Additionally, she told this lover to find justification of her ascendancy to the throne in Buddhist texts, because in Confucianist texts, there wouldn't be any justification. Right. Um, and they did. They, they like we said in our skit, uh, they found this text from Buddha saying that he would be reincarnated to a woman. She kind of tweaked things a little bit to be like, I am the literal reincarnation of these two gods from Buddhist philosophy. So now she had religious reason to ascend to emperor. And now that there was like religious precedent for this, people were like, become the emperor, fulfill your heavenly duties. Literally thousands of people like winter begging her, even surviving members of the Lee clan were like, please become emperor. Fulfill your heavenly duty. So apparently in Chinese tradition, it's custom for usurpers to refuse the throne at least three times. So she was like, they were like, please become emperor. No, I couldn't possibly. Please. No, I could not. Don't beg me again. Please. No. On the third time, her son literally came out. Who was the yeah. legal emperor? And literally offered her his throne. I was like, please, mother, take my throne. And at that moment, a huge bird flew overhead. And someone was like, a phoenix. And then other birds flew over. And they're like, oh, my God, there's all these birds. This is truly an auspicious moment. The heavens are decreeing that she should be the emperor. And she was probably like, oh, if you insist. <laughs> she wa- literally. Oh she was like, okay, Fine. I guess I will. So in 690 CE, at the age of 67, Wu Zetian became China's first and only female emperor and ruled for 15 years. Damn! Yeah. All right. Like, I hate how you got there. (laughs) But damn. (laughs) So this is where she names herself Zetian. Zetian means ruler of the heavens. Okay. Again, she's really into heaven. Uh, Her rule, as you can probably imagine, was as drama-filled as her rise to power, according to Xiran Zhao. She renamed the dynasty to Tianzhou, which meant granted by heaven. Uh, Zetian even created new characters in the Chinese writing system. And those characters, they're not used in, like, regular uh, writing today, but they are used in some dialects in written forms to this day. So, like, I guess a certain writing style. Yeah. You can still use these characters created by Wu Zetian in 690. <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> so, uh, Zetian created an open line of communication with the people. Uh-huh. Like, the, the Chinese community. Or, like, her subjects. And changes to the empire were in response to the people's recommendations or needs. So instead of government officials wanting laws to be enacted for their own best interest or to line their their pockets, she was literally like, 
here's a like literally here is a box with slots in it and you can put in your comments anonymously and i'll read them and we'll like fix the shit she bolstered public education she incentivized agricultural yield with tax relief so the more agricultural products you like yielded the fewer taxes you had to pay she helped revitalize agriculture as a whole throughout china like she or whatever the empire was it wasn't like the country of china we think about today she like was working to fix like irrigation systems and like planting schedules um she also reformed the military as well she required officers to pass a competency exam and they were personally interviewed instead of just being given the positions because of, like, nepotistic rules or, like, yeah. your father was a general, so now you'll be a general. Like, they literally had to work to earn their military Good. positions. She reopened the Silk Road, which had been closed after plagues and raids. She reacquired land that had been lost during Taizong's reign and gave the land to the people. She was like, this is for everyone, not just the aristocrats and higher-ups. Like, this is for everyone. Emily's so conflicted right now. <laughs> All I can think about is that the way she got into power was so bloody and horrible and just honestly, just I, I don't even have words for it. But what she did mm. as an emperor doesn't negate those things. But all I can think about is like, she could have been this good from the beginning had they just fucking gave it to her. If those misogynistic, like, like, rules weren't there, she could have been great from the beginning. Yeah, but it's like, in her eyes, she had to do what she did to get what she got. And she probably did. she wouldn't have been, yeah. There's... She eliminated all obstacles. There's no way for her to have gotten to where she was without doing that stuff. And it's not condoning that stuff. No. But in yeah. she was playing the cards that she was dealt. Yeah. And it's okay to have complicated feelings about all well, this. I have feelings, that's for sure. They are... Whew. So in her late years, there was a scant... Like, people were absolutely scandalized that she was an old woman with young lovers. I mean, good for her, Even though. though... I know. But, like, if it was an old emperor with young female lovers... Oh, it'd no be one would have fine. even bat an eye. It was it was custom. It was fine, but because she was a woman with young male lovers, they were like <gasps> scandal. They're just jealous. Um, and there are also accusations that she was no longer focusing on her empire. Um, she had these two. I think they were twins or brothers that were her lovers. She was like spending all her time with them. She wasn't focusing on ruling mm. anymore. And it got so bad, apparently, that those brothers were killed. And there was a coup that happened and she had was forced to abdicate. What the fuck? Yeah. And this is when she was in her 80s. A lot, of, a lot of stuff happening. When she was abdicating her throne, and she was also really sick as well. Like, there was just a lot of things going on. She had to make the decision on who to pass her throne to. Mm-hmm. You remember how I was talking about, like, she had to create her own dynasty. Yeah. So her son was a member of the Lee clan because her his father was a Lee. And they belonged to the Tong dynasty. And she had a nephew who is a Wu and a member of the Wu clan. 
So Chinese custom dictated she pass the throne to someone in her clan to continue her dynasty. But she would not be in her nephew's ancestral home because her nephew would have no obligation to include his aunt in his ancestral temple. Only if her son retook the throne would she be in the imperial ancestral records and honored as such. Mm -hmm. So she kind of had to make this decision, like, do I continue my dynasty for my future, for my descendants, or do I give my throne to my son so I can remain in the the holy ancestral temple? So she did make the decision to give the throne to her son. Okay. So it was the end of her dynasty. On her deathbed, she abdicated and renounced her emperorship. And said that she wanted to be buried next to Gao Zong and take her place as his empress once again. She died at the age of 82. Damn. Apparently, this was also done so her descendants in the dynasty could not erase her impact in history. So it was also, like, very strategic in that way I mean, I wouldn't have wanted to work my entire life for that and then it be erased. Mm -hmm. Damn. Yeah, so her dynasty only lasted 15 years, because that's how long she was emperor. Right. So, as you can probably imagine, the drama for the throne did not end after Zetian's death. Of course not. So, I have, like, a brief paragraph about just some events that happened after, because it's wild. I'm just going to read it all. Okay. (laughs) One of her sons ruled briefly. The other son was vying for power. Then the empress, who's the, the wife, poisoned her husband so her son could take the throne and Zetian's daughter murdered the empress and her family so the other brother could take the throne. He abdicated after a comet and his son took the throne and Zetian's daughter committed suicide when she was not able to influence the court. Jesus. That was a lot of... (laughs) It was was so much. Like, that was a very brief summary. I was reading through the article and I was like, I can't even keep track of this anymore. So much happened. So, very brief summary. And I saw, like, her grandson was a very effective ruler, and I also saw that his rule marked the decline of China, so I have no idea what happened there. He um, was effective at declining. And this was just... <laughs> I guess. So, this was just a note from Jiran Zhao. She discussed that when Zetian made her rise to emperor, it was at the high point of female liberation in China. After she died, women's rights were squeezed away, essentially. Like, they already didn't have a lot of rights, but it wasn't as bad as it got later. And, like, later, like, foot binding became a thing and, like, other very oppressive rules for, like, specific to women were in place. And she said that oppressors will always try to limit the reach and power of those they oppress. Um, especially after one reaches like the ultimate power, they're like, no, we don't want to do that again. I mean, we even talked about it in the Robert Smalls episode, you know, like when reconstruction was going on, black voices were lifted up. And then when the white Democrats started taking power, they worked to limit those voices again. And that's just, it is a pattern that goes throughout. Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, but that is the end of the tale of Wu Zetian. Ah, China's only female emperor. What the fuck? <laughs> That's kind of what I was like. Respectfully, respectfully, what videos. the fuck? Because she obviously <laughs> is an incredible mind and a force to be reckoned with, and had a goal and like 
did the things to get what she wanted, but the things that she had to do or chose to do were so incredibly cruel and sometimes unnecessary. Mm -hmm. There was no reason to chop off arms and drown them in wine. There's no reason. No. No. No, that was just for torture. 100%. God. Yeah. Bless. Yeah. But I highly recommend those YouTube videos. I've linked both of them in the show notes. Um, And give her a view. Again, I really just like watching her videos, not even for research purposes. Um, She talks about, like, the Mulan movies. She talked about Fly Me to the Moon, um, which is on Netflix. It's a cute little movie influenced by Chinese myths and legends. Um, She talks about, like, Asian influences and Avatar The Last Airbender. So all of her content that I found, like, does focus on Chinese culture in a way. She just does a really great job at explaining it. And she always dresses, like, so impeccably every episode. Um, It's always fun to see, like, what's she going to wear this time? I love that. (laughs) She usually wears some kind of, like, traditional um, Chinese um, out, like, wear, like, a dress or makeup. So, yeah, give her a look. She's also very funny. Um, Do it, do it, do it. Do it. Well, that's all I have. My brain is starting to decline. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> that was wonderfully horrifying. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> um, I think we have an announcement to make. As of today, our Patreon is open. And today is in recording today. Yeah, it's yes. November 1st, which when you're listening to this, it'll been out for a while. But... <laughs> But yes. we're very excited. We finally are releasing our Patreon. And we have two tier two subscribers already. Let me pull up their Yay. names. We have Nightshade and Shelby. Thank you so much for contributing to the pod. We really appreciate Yay. you guys. Um, if you sign up for either tier we have, you get a shout out and a sticker. And if you subscribe to the $5 tier, you get access to bonus episodes every month. Um, yeah. We had a bonus episode, I'm trying to do the math in my head, two weeks ago. Um, so. Yes. They come out the first. It's of, the first Friday. Yes. I almost said the first of every month. And I was like, wait, that's not right. <laughs> oh, I've had a day, today. y'all. Um, so. It's okay. Uh, we will link the Patreon in our show notes and we'll have links to it on our social media. We also have a Facebook group, Ill-Equipped yeah. History Podcast, and we have an Instagram at Ill-Equipped History. We have a TikTok. We mm-hmm. have a Gmail. Email us at illequippedhistory at gmail.com. Do we have anything else? <laughs> uh, if you see one of us asking on Patreon for your address, we're not trying to be weird. We're trying to mail you a sticker. So <laughs> I promise we won't dox you or anything. We're no. just trying to give you your sticker. So if we message you, please give us your address. Yes, we want to Reason give you your you. prize for giving us money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, let's see. Maybe don't kill your whole family. Don't. Please. Please, I'm begging you, don't kill your whole family. Don't kill your whole family. Don't do it. Um, no, no. And don't influence your husband to kill other people either. No, don't do that. 
like let, let's just let's just limit the murder to zero zero murder please can we can we all zero is an acceptable amount of murder <laughs> yes yes the yes. only number the only number of acceptable murders is zero yes unless you're in one of the books that i read and then <laughs> i don't know why it's fine there <laughs> all the murder there all the murder Oh, anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, and if you're going to climb to power, if you do do it to, like, benefit the people, that's great. Always, always I mean, help the people. At her rate, <laughs> she wasn't going to have people to help because she murdered them all. I know. So much murder. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do you know what? I sound like an unironic uh, truck stop Betty. You do. Just without the New Jersey accent. Yeah. You got the rasp going on. Oh my god. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> Jesus. That local fry. Oh my god. <laughs> I think I could sing rock right now. Rock and roll. Are we just gonna talk like this the rest of the episode? <laughs> I won't do that to you guys. <laughs> She got so close to her microphone to do that. I'm so close <laughs> to the microphone. I've had a very long day and I'm starting to get really weird. So I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're going to go. Yeah. Let's go. We we yeah. both need to go to bed. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>